Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night cheer. The Nishmas, the Freiman of Hananiam Taflipa, Shmoyakim Ramlesha. Dorit Bas Moshe Levi and Jeanette Bas Evrama Koyin. Pashas Noyach. Yaakov Holoch Ledarkoy. Pashas Noyach, the first Shabbos, Chedesh Cheshven. Relatively speaking, the first Shabbos of quiet, of silence. Calmness, collectiveness. Followed by a whole month of Tishrei, after we fulfilled all the bakashas and all the requests and everything was fulfilled throughout the month of Tishrei, we now embark with Mashabrach Merdei Geshem. We embark on the fall and winter seasons. In anticipation of Yad Shem V'chidish Aoviv, the next of the Shalash Regolim, Chag Pesach, which will definitely be in Yerushalayim, Yerakhidish, and Vesach Midish Ashlishi. Pashas Noyach. You have sometimes a parsha that seems almost unassuming. It has a few nice psukim, has nice brachas in it, or the opposite. But what? Pash Bereshis was, of course, as we said, the longest spanning Pasha in history, time, years-wise. Pashas Noyach like all other parshas in the Torah, in essence, is full of life lessons. Beginning with the simplest of lessons, Noyach ish tzadik tamim hoya b'dereisav. And we'll discuss, it says, Eila tildo is Noyach, these are the children of Neach. It doesn't say Shem Chamei Yafes. It says Neach is Tzadik Tan Hayyabedir. So we'll discuss how that fits in in a person's daily life. The Mabel. Neach, being the Tzadik, being the Tzadik. Of his generation, was in a precarious situation. The entire nation, the entire world at large, was just not behaving. So much so, Shikhis, they defaced the actual world. This is not said God, what I intended when I created this world. And therefore, God chose to wipe the world clean. Alt, control, delete. But in a very interesting way, in the Memsa, in the rains, in the Mayim Rabim, but Nayak being a tzaddik, being a righteous person, was told and warned by God to build a teva, to build an ark, which he does not over the span of a week or two. He takes he tardies, takes quite a while, so that people would ask what's going on, why you're doing this, so that he could tell them why he's doing it, so that they would ultimately maybe do tshuva and say, "Oy vey, the world is being destroyed because of our sins. We need to do better." As we learned last week, the lesson from Cain. When you hear what you're doing is wrong, you need to react in the proper way. Mm-hmm. Tells us the Pasha, 
after all said and done, Noach in the Teva X amount of time. Oh, that was very generous from Atlanta, who said he would not flood me with questions tonight in honor of this year. Tells us the Teda Neach's first reaction. He comes out of the Teva, Vayochel Neach Ish Adama Vayita Korem. He plants a vineyard. I'm not doing it. Go to the archives, you can hear about the entire planting of the vineyard episode. Vayesht Benayayin, he drinks from the wine. And it was obviously very strong. Vayishkar, he got drunk. Vayizgal Beseich Oholei. He was laying totally inappropriately. Tera tells us, from his three sons, Shem, Cham, and Yafes, Cham, who ultimately was cursed for this, became the, the head of the land of nation of Canaan, came in and saw his father lying there. Inappropriate. And came out to tell his siblings as such. Immediately Shem and Yafes took a sheet. They walked in backwards, says the Teda. Vayechu achiranis. Vayechasu es ervasavim, and they covered the father. Again the Pasuk repeats, Ufneem achiranis, their faces were turned away. Vayervasavim, they wrote, they did not see anything. It's a very special message here. The fact that they did not see what they should not be seeing. If it says already before, they went in backwards. We know they obviously did not see anything. But the Tata is stressing another point entirely. The fact that they went achiranis. We know from the Balshemtiv. When one sees by his friend a flaw and reprimands his friend for the flaw, he himself bears that very same flaw. And therefore, this friend, this other person, is acting as a mirror figure. And we know. If you have a clean face, you don't see any dirt in the mirror. If you see dirt in the mirror, obviously, it's on your face. Unless someone painted your mirror, of course. Purim jokes. And what is the reason for this? What is the cause for this? Everything is Ashkacha Pratis. Everything is divine province. If a person was clean from this very sin it would not be shown, it would not be exposed from within the other person. From heaven, Mishamayim, they're showing him this evil by his friend, mm-hmm. <coughs> in order that he himself should be aware, aware of the evil within himself. And thereby rectify himself.
clean up his act, as we say. When one is aware of their flaw, one can then approach it and attack it and rectify it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, people in today's day and age don't look to rectify, they look to justify. And they say whatever it is, whatever it is, I had a good reason for it. This person, they did this, they were wrong. They had no right to do it, it was disgusting. But me, when I got into that, there was a reason. I have a, I have an excuse. We could ask. How do we know this? How do we actually know this? That we show the Menashemayim, they show the weakness in a person through a fellow person. And thereby, in order to, for us to see it, so that we should know that we have to rectify it. Maybe I'm a messenger from God, and I have the message for him, and I have to give over the message, and I have to see to it that this person repents and does, does good by himself. After all, the Torah says, One needs to reprimand his friend. So maybe that's why I saw this. Maybe that's why this was revealed to me. And the answer is, because if that would have been the the situation, and you only had to fix what the other person did, you would not see the actual bad in the person. Mm You wouldn't see the bad. What would you see? There's something that needs tikkun. Something needs to be fixed. And the emphasis would be on the fixing. How do I help this person? Not I want to reprimand, not I'm giving the person an argument, not I'm, not I'm hating the person. Not I'm screaming at the person. I'm looking for the solution for him. If this were your mission. But the fact remains that no, you're shown this. You should feel within yourself how you have this. And you have, you suffer from this very ailment. This is what the Torah is teaching us through the story of Bnei Neach. Cham, the wickedness in Cham was within himself. Vayere is Arevas Aviv. He saw it. He saw the flaw of his father. Why? He suffered from this very same thing and therefore he needed to fix Welcome Atlanta. He needed to fix what he had broken, what was broken by him. So therefore, since he saw it by his father because this was what he had to know for himself. Where shame in your face. They were clean from evil. They saw only what needed to be fixed and therefore they just fixed it. But they did not see. They know. Ervas Avihem. Thank you. Another lesson. When a Jew needs to see
Only the good of another Jew. If something needs to be fixed, one only needs to see what needs to be fixed. Not to see the bad or the evil of the person. So much more so, not to tell it to others. Like Chom did. When we do that, we merit to go out and become vessels for Tera. Till so much so that we merit to see the resting of the Shekhinah as it did in the tents of shame. Through Achtus Yisrael and Ahavas Yisrael. And this is going back, reverting to the beginning of the parsha. Eila Teilus Neach who the children says Noyach is Tzadik he started off Eilat Teilus as we asked before it should have said his children's names but here the Teilus starts to enumerate the good points of Noyach as being a Tzadik and a Tomim in his generation only in the next pasuk does. Did you wait for something? Only the next pasuk does the pasuk the Torah enumerate the children. Rashi elaborates on this, and he has two answers. One explanation. The essence of this name, this concept, Neach, this title, is a lesson. Since the Torah mentioned Neach, he mentions, Torah mentions, his praise. What does it say? Shenemar Zeicher Tzadik Livrocha. The second explanation says Rashi. This music, this concept of Teldes, the intention is also to Maisim Tevim, also the good deeds. The Ikka Teldesayim Shal Tzadikim Maisim Tevim. The main children offspring of tzaddikim are the good deeds. And therefore the Torah enumerates the maizim tevim of Neach right after Eilu tells Neach. Since this doesn't really fit exact pshat of the pshat, pshat of the pshat, simple explanation, therefore Rashi brings this as a second explanation. But this brings a question. The name of Neach was mentioned previously. He was born already in Pashas Bereshis. So when his name was mentioned there, should have said, Zeichat Tzadik Levrachem. Why here? Why wait till the next Pasha? If you keep your score at home, there's a Gemara in Mesechtas Erchen, Daftes Vov Omid Beis. Page 15, side 2. And it's also the Rambam in Hilgos Deis, Perik Vov Alach Gimel. Loshin Hara kills three people. The one that says it, the one that hears it, and the one that it's spoken about. I understand when you tell me the one who says it, he's talking Lashon Hara. I understand when you want to tell me the one that's listening to it, he's hearing Lashon Hara. Why are we killing the third person? This comes to teach us how severe 
speaking badly is. It's so bad that even the person that's spoken about also is smitten from this. First of all, let us understand the concept of talking. Talking is that a person reveals to the outside world what was in his mind. (laughs) In most cases. Not everybody has that filter. Some people just spew words and they don't necessarily think before they talk. (laughs) Deeper is a special kerch. (laughs) So bored. To take things out that are hidden and to reveal them. It's a kerch mamosh. It's a tangible thing. And this also has makes an impression on the others. And therefore, if you give me score at home, we follow the Yomara and Ksubis Tavches Amid Beis 8 side 2 says, Al Tiftach Per don't open your mouth to the sultan. When you speak bad, or the bad about somebody else, <coughs> you're causing this person bad. You're bringing about his bad, or her bad. And therefore, it's heard not only by fellow people, but it's heard in heaven above. So therefore, Lashon Hara actually affects and hurts the one that it's spoken about. If this is on the negative side, so much more so on the better side. Yimara Mesech Deseita, Yir Aleph Amir Aleph, if you keep score. Miruba Mida Teva Mimidas Peronius. Midah teva, good midah, is much better than those of the opposite. When someone speaks praise about another person, and they bring out the goodness of this person, they cause this, in essence, to become just that. And therefore the person's goodness that they brought about actually is enhanced. <laughs> and it helps the person. It physically has a tangible help, tangible benefit for the person. So if this is how the words of a Basar Radama simple person cause, so much more so when HaKadosh Baruch writes in his Teda. And HaKadosh Baruch who praises in his Teda a person. It definitely has a positive influence on that person. And it gives them special strengths to strengthen themselves of the good within themselves. So now therefore we understand why it's mentioned the praise of Noyach only in our parasha, not parasha Neach's actual application to what he was doing is only in this parsha, And therefore it needs that much more so the praise to bring out the goodness of him. In order that he should be able to stand up against the people of his generation. Therefore, Dafka here, it brings about his name and his his praise, so that he can nurture off this praise of God. It's not a human praise, this is godly praise. And help him fulfill his mission. From this we learn the value. How we see good in each and every Jew. 
and that we speak only of the goodness of each and every Jew. And through speaking this way, we reveal even more so, by other people, the goodness of this person. And through that, blessings are bestowed upon us as well. We had recently in the Hayyim Yayim, the story of the Baal Shem HaKadosh, where his Talmidim was standing there, and one person said of his Bar Plukta, of a person that he's in, had an argument with, that I'm so angry at him, I can shed him like a, like a fish, fillet him like a fish. The Baal Shem was not happy to hear these words. Bashanda was not happy that this Talmidim talked that way. He immediately asked this Talmidim to form a circle. With this Talmud as well. And they put their hands on each other's shoulders. And the Bashanta placed his holy hands on the two shoulders nearest to him. And as he did, everybody began to scream in horrific fright. Because as he did that, as he, co- as he closed the circle, they all saw before their very eyes how this fellow was in essence tearing apart his fellow Jew. And this therefore was something, a message that he t- gave to each and every one of them how you need to be careful by the wording that you say, the wording that you do, the, how you talk about somebody. My video is not coming through Skype. You can't see me? Scranton sees me. Atlanta doesn't. Okay, I'm going to hang up and call you both back. Try to see what happens with that. Can't imagine what happened. You on Skype there? No. Oh. It tells me. What? It tells me. Okay. answering. There we go. There we go. Welcome back. Are we on? Atlanta, we okay? I hope so. I don't know. He's not acknowledging. He went off again. Okay. So he said, Pashas Nayak begins to describe Nayak, a righteous man, Tomim perfect in his generation. <coughs> Why does the Torah limit Nayak to his generation, his righteousness in his generation? Rashi offers two explanations. Some say, says Rashi, this was praise to Nayak, and some say it wasn't. It was actually detrimental. Some say that had he lived in a generation with righteous people, he would have become holier. And others say disparagingly that because he was in this generation, he was considered righteous. Had he been in any other generation, he would not have been considered righteous either. He would have been insignificant. Now, let's call a spade a spade. First of all, we just spoke about how we need to talk positive, how we cannot talk Lashon Hara. Just for the record, by the way, I don't want to go into Hilkos Lashon Hara. But we did mention that Hashem talks praiseworthily of Neach, and when one talks praising another person, it gives the person that much more strength. It gives the person 
the koyach to do what he needs. And therefore, we said, we should see to talk positively about people. We talk to the bee, and we tell the bee, Keep your honey, keep your sting. Don't sting me, don't give me honey, I'm fine. You stay your place, I stay mine. Keep away from me. So although we say, and although it's taka true, that a person should be good about another person in order to help the person, to elevate the person, etc. The Man Hashem. Understand and take to heart. Once you mention someone else's name, the Satan jumps with both hands and feet. And the Satan sees to it something is going to be misconstrued, something is going to be misinterpreted, and something will turn into Lashon Hara. So yes, although it does help and it does cause great things for the person when you talk good things about them, just know you're stepping on a very fine line. It's a very fine line because people... The truth is, says, you say, you know this person? Such a wonderful person. Such a Baal Chesed. And as you're saying it, the person you say it to just <laughs> twists his nose and says, eh. You're mortified because you're, he's... he's negating what you said, but be more mortified over the fact that you just caused him to say Lashonara. He didn't say anything. He said, eh. He made it away. It pushed, he pushed away what you said. This is going into a gather of Lashonara. This falls into a category of Lashonara, of blaspheming, of speaking evil. And therefore, you're best off you don't talk about anybody. And you don't tell anybody what you think you're smarter than they are. And you have a reproof for them. And you have a lesson for them. And you're going to teach them a lesson how to act and behave. You're going to castigate them for what they said or did. Don't go where you don't belong. Back to Rashi's explanation here. The two explanations what Nayak was actually up against. We know in many different places in Gemara. If you give me score on this above Basra, Kufchov Gimel Meralif, one twenty three side A. In the beginning of Masech Psachim of Dalar Meralif, Gimel Meralif, that the tailor goes through great lengths not to even embarrass a non-kosher animal. The Teda, every word is accounted for. Every word is an entity. Every letter is an entity. And therefore the Teda tries, not tries, the Teda maximizes everything that it says. It's all words from God. And every word has, and every letter has a reason. It's precise. When the Teda talks about kosher animals, the Teda mentions a behemah It doesn't say the animal that is pure and the animal that is impure, which would be the word Tomei, three letters, but the Teda writes eneno tohoiro. Aleph, Yud, Nun, Nun, Hey, Tes, Hey, Vav, Resh, Hey. Ten letters instead of three. Not to shame even the non-kosher animal. So when it says, Sadiq Hayyab, it's not plausible to think 
that the Tata is actually speaking in a way to shame Leach, one of the son. That Neach would not have been a tzaddik in another generation. Elamai, it's not something that the boys made up in the bull field. These are the Chacham that are talking here, the sages. So we need to understand there must be a life lesson from this. A lesson that we could not have learned without knowing this detail. Neach came to the Teva. The word in the Teva, teva is uh, the word in the Teva for the Ark is a Teva. Teva also means a word. Just like the Ark provided safety for Neach and his family from the fierce waters of the flood, the spiritual Teva, the word of Teva, the word of Tefillah, saves a person from drowning in the flood of material concerns that occupy his mind. And in order to save yourself from the flood, says the Teda, teva, you must come into the Teva. Immerse yourself into the words of Teda and Tefilo. This is Botan Kesashantuf. So someone will say, that's a beautiful thing to say. But guess what? The Teda in that case becomes makes an exclusive club here. First it tells us Nayak is Sadik Tamim Hoya. Nayak was a righteous man and a perfect man. And then the Teda tells us that Hakadish Baraku tells Nayak Boya Lateva. The Almighty tells Nayak come to the Teva. So what must we say from this? We might derive that only the righteous are invited into the Teva. So therefore it's only the righteous that should be davening and learning. They should immerse themselves in these words. But those who are spiritually deficient and imperfect, they can't save themselves from the raging waters, the raging floods of worry. By just entering the Tvila, entering the Teva, the Tvila and the Teva. So in order to dispel this misconception, the Teva tells us the Teva was not exclusive for Neach. Not exclusive to the righteous and the holy, and the perfect. For if Neach lived in another generation of Avraham, for example, he would not have been considered as such. This teaches whether you're actually a tzaddik or not, you can be saved by teva, immersing yourself energetically in the words of Tvila and Teda. And like Nayakh, whose family was saved along with him, not only him, but his family and the animals, by you entering into the teva, you will also impact everyone around you and all of existence. Some of our sages interpret Neach went in last. He made sure everybody else is on first and then he went in. Some of our sages interpret this praise of Neach How much more so if he lived with Sadiqim? He would have been so much holier, so much more righteous. But again, these two views that we just said are not necessarily conflicting one the other. 
they're not conflicting about the righteousness of Leach. It's possible everyone agrees that in comparison to Avram, Leach's conduct was still was impressive, but not ideal. Nevertheless, Neach was not entirely to blame. It's not his fault. Had he lived in a more righteous generation, obviously the positive environment would have helped him to become a greater person. So the Chachamim really are debating how to communicate the concept that he was perfect in his generation. As we said before, some say it's a praise. Despite the negative influences around him, he was like that. He remained righteous and perfect. And if he lived in another era, he would have surely been even greater than this. According to the second opinion, however, the Taylor's emphasis on Neach's righteousness in his generation warns us that although Neach's inner strength was certainly praiseworthy, but not everything, that, not all his behavior, not every aspect of his should be emulated. For example, he didn't pray for his generation. He didn't dive and save them. It was relative to his environment. Some areas we need to be even greater than Neach as he would have lived in a better time, he would have understood better how he needed to pray for the fellow mankind to see to it that they should survive as well. So we spoke a life lesson, boy el ha come to the teva. And then we run into a little bit of a hiccup. A little further in the parsha where God tells Neach, Tzei Menateva, get out. Who should go out? The Torah lists off, enumerates, Ato v'ishtecho v'necho unishe v'necho itoch, kol achaya asher itoch, Mikol Bosar Baif Babahima Mukhoremes Haremes Alorez Hesi Itoch. Go out of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, your sons in law, your sons' wives, with you. Every living thing that's with you, of all flesh, of fowl, animals, creeping things that creep on the earth, on the earth bring out with you. Yeshayo Anovi describes the time of Mashiach. And he says that the Kivso and the Ze'ev, the wolf and the lamb, will lie together. They'll dwell together. The leopard and the young goat will lie down next to each other. And a small child will be able to lead them. That is what the atmosphere in the days of Mashiach will be. The peace, tranquility that will reign over the world. The most opposite of any creature's will be able to coexist. A very similar atmosphere prevailed in Noah's Ark. The most fierce and predatory animals coexisted peacefully. And in spite of being confined in these tiny quarters for an entire year, So much so, who took care of them? They didn't have a staff of zookeepers. Neach and his family. There was a lot of animals. 
This required a staff of caretakers. Came Noach and his family, his wife, sons, daughters-in-law, and they ran the ship. They ran the ship. Chassidus explains there was a very, very great divine revelation going on in the Teva. It was felt in the Teva. And this is what brought all the occupants to this serenity, to this peaceful coexistence. Similar to the days of Mashiach. And this remarkable feeling of God's presence overwhelmed the animals, changed their nature entirely, and this caused even the most ferocious animals that usually prey on others to become peaceful and approachable. This is what Rashi explains on the word say. Haitsei. Haitsei itach. Bring out. It's written Haitsei, but it's read Haitsei. Haitsei means tell them they should come out. Haitsei means if they don't want to come out, you got to forcefully take them out. According to Rashi, when the land was finally dry, and the conditions were finally livable, and it was time to leave the ark, to leave the confines of the Teva, God alerted Noach that he might have to forcibly remove the animals. One would imagine when the animals saw that door open, they would bolt out of those out of those doors. Adrama. The door got open, the sunshine was reflected, you could smell the air, the clean air, and the animals remained complacent in their cramped conditions. Because the animals were given a taste of the wonderful, beautiful era of Mashiach. Who would want to walk away from that? Who was in the Teva? Who survived after this whole thing? Yishar, who remained? Achneach, Vashar Iteva Teva. Once the Teva was open, and the world was once again dry, who remained only Nayach and whoever was within him in the Teva. There is a message that says there were cold water, the water generally that fell was hot water. But around the Teva itself, there was cold water for the fish to circle. Because we don't hear anything about the fish in the Teva, did we? Can you imagine how beautiful aquarium that would have been? So all those that were bewildered and perplexed and wondering where the fish were, there's that there. Those who don't care where the fish were, eat meat. Next time you look at your salmon on your plate, say, I really didn't care where you were during the Teva either. Let's see how it tastes. Neach builds a Teva. According to the calculations, Neach was 600 years old building this Teva. And Neach dedicated his life now, after being all these years of dedication as being a tzaddik, a righteous person, to the needs on the ark. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, get on the Teva and take care of the family and the animals. And so he did. You know, there are 
many Hasidic circles that are very, very uh, fatuated, infatuated with Shrayim. Shrayim means their their Rebbe will eat from a plate and then he'll give them the leftovers. And the leftovers have officially, because the Rebbe made a blessing over it, have a uh, holy presence. So they would fight over it. Literally. But it has to be taken by hand. There's a famous joke they tell of the Rebbe that pushed out his plate and the Chassidim all being very, very intense and wanting to get their Shrayim all lunged for the plate, of course, we thought with their hands, the lights went out. Lights went out, you heard a scream. And the lights went back on, you see one Chassid had his hand in the plate, and there were 40 forks stuck in it. Everybody tried to get the shine with a fork. Anyway, they ask, how do we know that Shrayim is from the Teda? Where do we see Shrayim takes place in the Teda? And they bring the Raya from Neach, because Neach brought on the Teva food for himself, and thereby, says God, you will nourish everyone as well. So everybody says, ah, the Tzaddik ate, and everybody lives off the Shrayim. He was totally dedicated to the mission that God gave him now. Till now he was a tzaddik, a righteous person, doing teda mitzvahs, doing whatever he could. Shavu mitzvahs, b'nei neyach, do we know about, etc. Now he was given to become a zookeeper, farmer, whatever he was, stuck in this teva. And therefore he saw to it that his passengers were provided with physical sustenance. This is therefore a lesson for those that are given the task to provide others with spiritual sustenance. Rashi describes that the physical toll that was taken on Nayak from tending these animals, he was physically groaning and spitting blood because of the burden that he was going through that he was being subjected with it was not an easy situation here and there's some that say that he had an issue with a lion that he was a little late bringing lunch to the lion and the lion kicked him Mishnah, it writes about the tzaddik is requited for his sins in this world. The fact that he got such a zetz from this lion took care of all his averes. Nech is a very spiritual person. As we said, tzaddik hayyubadereisov. He was righteous of his whole generation. And now he became a farmer of a zookeeper. Even though it caused him physical, never mind spiritual, pain that he wasn't serving God, instead he's taking care of animals, the physical pressure, physical pain, the physical trials, tribulations that he was subjected to, that were detrimental to his health physically. Learning from Neach, we too must commit ourselves to carrying out our mission to bring the Torah's message of godliness, <coughs> holiness to the world under any circumstances, even if it's physically uncomfortable. Stepping up two flights of stairs to put on film with a fellow Jew. Walking in a bitter cold to see to it that a Yidni here 
a tefillah, a good word, a mitzvah, cannot be discouraged. Even if we find ourselves groaning and spitting blood from it already. The challenges that it presents themselves. At the same time, however, we have to learn from Layak not to impose this readiness for discomfort on others. Don't tell others you also got to be subjecting yourself to this. And Rashi finishes, some say that he delayed feeding the lion and it struck him. Nayak was punished for delaying the lion's food. And this teaches us that we must readily sacrifice our own comfort for the success of our vital and lofty mission. The next person's needs. Even their conveniences. Not ours to sacrifice or delay. We need to see to it that they have what they need. In the sukkah this year, one of the gentlemen told over a story that he's told before. On Yom Tif, the Yidin, Crown Heights, take to the streets. And they march to all different parts of New York. And I mean New York. I mean they go to the Bronx, they go to Queens, they're all over. They go to be make Freilach in other shuls. And most shuls welcome them and embrace them. They have kiddush ready for them. Little Fabaisen. After all, they came a long way and they got a long way to go home. Uber's out of the question still. He says he went to Queens with a few fellow, a few gentlemen. And they went to five different shuls. Because one shul finished, they went to another shul. To five different shuls to make freilach. And not one offered a drink of water. And they were starving. And they hadn't made Kiddush. It was a bad situation. They were walking back. And he says they saw a fellow they used to know from Israel. And he said, Chavre, how are you? What are you doing here? Come. Come to my house and eat something. Make Kiddush. You don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Especially when the gift horse was food in your mouth. <coughs> and so they went to his house. A couple of guys. He started bringing out food on top of food on top of food. He brought out a tremendous amount of food. Everybody ate and ate and ate and they were satisfied. They thanked him profusely and they said, we got to get back to Kronites. They left. As they're leaving, they saw the Baba Chabacher, who apparently lives in Queens, coming towards the house. Said, get yomtev, and they went. P.S., this year, this has happened last year, so this year, he meets this very fellow, his host, here in Kronites. Ah, Shalom Aleichem. You remember, we came to you, oh, do I remember. Let me tell you the postscript of the story. My wife and I were alone. So we prepared for ourselves a little bit of meal. You guys showed up. We took out everything that we possibly could find. We literally cleaned ourselves out. Baruch Hashem, we fed everybody. When you guys left, we said, okay, now what do we do? We can't make Kiddush. We don't even have what to make Kiddush on. As you left, the door, there was a knock on the door. This Bacher was the Shliach son. He lives a half hour away. And he came to tell us that our father, his father is inviting us. So much so that his father is not making Kiddush until we don't show up. So we have no choice but to go. And we had no qualms about going either. So we picked ourselves up and we had our meal in this fellow's house. Wow. So maybe Zeicha to the great meal of the Shara Barna and the Leviathan and the great Sukkah and Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh and it'd be Nayach Yisadik we should have Nayacha we should have calmness and peace and tranquility and this very Shabbos Yerod Mashiach Tzidkenu
Yerushalayim, Shabbat Shalom to all.